0: matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex don't live life without it
1: Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I will be joined by Titus and Tate. That's Tate Frazier and Mark Titus from the Titus and Tate podcast over on Fox. And we're going to discuss the top teams in each of the five major conferences. And then we had a little bit of a disagreement on what should be considered one of the top six. So we're going to break all that down. Here on the podcast, I also will be joined by Eric Musselman, the Arkansas head coach, as uh, he is coaching one of my Final Four Dark Horses. We're going to get to that in Cats Ranks here on the podcast as well. All of that is a precursor this month, in the month of October, to in-person media days. Yes, I will be on the road going to the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big East. All over the month of October, bringing coverage to all our NCAA platforms and social media platforms. The SEC of the major conferences, for COVID reasons, is the one league that is doing it virtually. Other leagues are doing virtual news conferences as well in the month of October. That all leads up to our preview content, certainly, that will lead into the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden. I will be there to bring coverage of Duke versus Kentucky and Michigan State versus Kansas. This is Coach K's last season at Duke, and he opens the season at Madison Square Garden against Kentucky. So break down some of these top conferences as practices have begun with Titus and Tate. All right, so here's the crazy thing. We're actually, I feel like it was just yesterday, we are talking about the offseason coming off of uh, Baylor's victory, and now we're getting ready for the new year. Mm-hmm. Mark is traveling around with college football, so he's, I'm sure, dabbling with some college basketball around the country. I saw he was with his former teammate, Greg Oden. So you're, you're getting a little taste of college basketball. So before I want to dive in to just the power six, if you will, get your quick thoughts, just overall, your excitement level of anticipation of this season with a lot of guys that ended up coming back. Mr. Tate, I'm going Tate first. Okay,
2: go ahead, Tate. Oh, yeah. wow. I, I, what an honor, Andy. First off. I hope the tennis went well for you in the off season. Last time we spoke, you said you were going to play a lot of tennis. So I did play a lot. I, I kept up on Instagram. It looked like you were killing it. So first and foremost, shout out to you. I call you the Marty fish of college basketball. And then, you know, moving on from there, you talk about the excitement. I think Andy, you and I are on the same level of Johnny Juzang. Uh, we have bought into the hype of UCLA. We have bought into the hype of Westwood. That, that is probably my number one storyline. Um, and then from there, I mean, you know Memphis and Penny Hardaway, they won uh, in Titus and I's eyes the way too early off season. That's what they won. Uh, Kentucky won the too early off season. And Duke has won the offseason. So those three programs mm-hmm. uh, have basically, you know, funded our entire offseason content. But like you said, we're fired up.
3: I, I got to say, Andy, uh, I, I probably say this every year, but who cares? Uh, this is the most excited I've ever been going into a college basketball season. I think I think it 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 comes from, um, obviously, I I, I kind of don't want to say COVID at all during this entire year. Like, that's my goal for this season is to say the word COVID as little as possible. But uh, looking back on the last two seasons we had, as you know, Andy, as all of your listeners, know um 2020 cut short not how we don't have a tournament last year i think everyone is excited just to have college basketball in front of us but it wasn't it wasn't the same we all know it wasn't the same and, and like now that we're through it like i'm going to be a little uh you know a, a, a little greedy and say that that wasn't enough last year like we said after the term was canceled 2020 I was like, i'll do anything just give me any college basketball i'll take whatever i can get now that i got it i'm like i need more i need more i need the fans back in the stands I need actual awesome environments. I need games not getting canceled. I don't like situations like uh, Oregon and USC had where where Oregon wins the, uh, you know, they, they, they win the the Pac-12, but USC beat them and had a better record. But then the same thing happened with like Michigan and Illinois and like all that weird dicey, stuff. get it out of here. Let's play a full season, full crowds, full home court advantage. Uh, I'm very excited for all that. And I'm also excited just selfishly as a Buckeye um, that Ohio State had their season tragically uh, ended because of COVID last year. Did not get to participate in the NCAA tournament, as we all remember. Shocking. Too many COVID positive tests. The, sent the Buckeyes packing. So uh, for Ohio State to be able to bounce back and get a get a real season this year, I'm very excited for that.
1: Boy, that seems like revisionist history. I, I do remember <laughs> Ohio State being in the tournament and actually losing. No, but that's it, don't look story. that up. Don't look that up. It was It was COVID. No, look, college football can have their 100,000 fans at the Horseshoe and the Big House, but it's still, to me, a television sport like the NFL. I think last year we learned how much fans make a difference and in college basketball, they I think they mean at least five to seven points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe I'm being too conservative on that. Uh, but I think about some teams that lost home games that would never happen, you know, yeah. b- if they had a packed house. And I think that whether people are masked or not masked, they're going to be loud and they're going to be clapping and they're going to be back to creating a significant difference on the home courts. And uh, that was missed in a huge gaping hole from last season.
2: Yeah, we saw it in Cameron Indoor, right? We saw it with the Blue Bloods. We saw it with mm-hmm. Kentucky. We we saw it with Duke. We, and everyone had like a different... I mean, I remember in December of last year, Coach K said it felt wrong to be playing basketball. Mm-hmm. He, he said that everyone, when they walked in... I can't remember... What happened before he said those comments? I would have to look that up, but maybe a loss. I can't remember, but it you was know, he was undefeated said, at that point in time. Too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, that's right. We're
1: cruising. Yeah. Remember, they stopped playing some of those non-conference games.
2: Yeah, yeah. So That was last season. So I, I feel like this year we have a return to normalcy, right? Or like Titus was saying, or we hope that there will be some sort of return to normalcy and at least like an atmosphere. If you go play, you know, at Rupp Arena or go play at Cameron Indoor or, or even go play at Memphis this year, you're going to see a real atmosphere, which will be nice.
1: All right. So. This will be a shocker. We're going to lead with the Pac-12. Let's go. Let's go. You basically mentioned, you know, my number one team in the preseason. And this is the key thing. Team. Uh, The fact that essentially the whole team is back. Mm -hmm. And then you add in uh, Miles Johnson, who I think is a great add from Rutgers. Because Cody Hill had to do everything by himself last year inside. So now you get a rim protector. And then you add in Peyton Watson, one of the best players in this class. So those two guys basically give you like a starting seven for this uh, Bruin team. Uh, and so for me, as we look at the pac and I want, what I want to do here is just sort of cherry pick, you know, who we think basically are the contenders. We don't have to go, we're not going through every team here, but the contenders. Oh, not, to me, I was
3: prepared to, I had notes ready. I know, I know. So no,
1: for me, it's, it's, it's UCLA and Oregon mm, Yep, because Oregon always finds a way and they got the transfers, you know, led by Davian Harmon from Oklahoma, but. You know, and and I'm not dismissing USC uh, coming up. uh, You know, as a potential contender, Washington State. I think will be the best team. Kyle Smith certainly has had, and there could be others in that mix. But it's UCLA, Oregon, and then the rest for me. Yep. uh, Why don't you have the floor there, Mr. Titus?
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say uh, I would even say UCLA and the rest. No disrespect to Oregon, but I think the expectation in Westwood should be as high as it's been since uh, I I, I don't know maybe ever. Yeah. Maybe ever, honestly. In the modern era, yeah. In the 64 team tournament era. I, I guess I'm confused why people think Gonzaga is going to be better than UCLA. And I, I nothing against Gonzaga. I know Chet Holmgren's awesome, but is Gonzaga. Gonzaga doesn't seem like they got better this season. But we will staying on topic here. You you're drifting. Okay, but I'm 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 trying to make the case that UCLA is the best team in the country heading into the season. Well, in our universe, Andy, Gonzaga's in the Pac-12. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. As far as we know, Gonzaga's in well, the wait pack. A minute,
1: Wait, wait, you just kind of glossed over one thing you just said. Are you going to say there's more hype with this team? going even more
3: so than the Westbrook, Love, love, era. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I they think they did go to I three
2: straight final fours, but it also felt like nobody believed that they were actually going to win yes. the title. You know what I mean? It was Yeah, like, no uh, one thought yeah. they
3: were actually going to win the title. Also, I think having the entire team back helps. Having a guy like Johnny Juzang, who became a star last year, and he's yep. coming back. Um, So it's not like, 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 if Johnny Juzang leaves and we have Peyton Watson as like the new Johnny Juzang, then the hype is, is you know, Peyton Watson's awesome, but the hype is a little different because we don't know what Peyton Watson looks like. Are you just dismissing way- Jaime Hawke's, by the way? I mean, you know well. Triple J. Um. So I think I think having all the guys back. So the reason I brought up in Gonzaga, Andy, was because I was trying to make the case that UCLA. Uh, they play in the final four. It obviously comes down to last second shot. Jalen Suggs banks it in. Um, you know, if, if you're using that as the one data point, you would say that those teams were pretty even last year based on that one game, the way they ended the season. It was like, yeah, about as even as they could get. Gonzaga, I don't think got better. They're still gonna be very good. They're still gonna contend for a national title. UCLA got better, they brought their whole team back, they added five stars, they added big time transfers. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think so. I think it I think the Pac-12 is UCLA and everyone else. It's it, like we're if we're doing tiers, it's UCLA very clearly alone in tier one. Oregon very clearly alone in tier two, and then it's the rest. And we'll figure it out. And I I guess I sort of feel bad for uh the Pac twelve in general because this should be a season where like we, we, we stop making Pac twelve jokes. We like Tate and I never did. We never did, but uh, last year the Pac-12 dominated the NCAA tournament. It was yeah. it, it was the conference of the NCAA tournament, um, and I hope that the momentum rolls through the, this year. But what my fear is is that I think UCLA might be better than everybody and might just wipe the floor with with everyone in the Pac-12. So hopefully they make it interesting. Hopefully there's like like hopefully America doesn't give up on the Pac-12 uh, this year because I, I I don't know how strong the conference is going to be top to bottom like it was last year.
1: Tate, a more unlikely coach to lead UCLA to a championship, and I know he didn't, but mm. Ben Hallen came close. Ben went to three straight Final Fours. So if I told you in another life, Ben Hallen versus Mick Cronin, uh, which one would you say would be less likely to be the guy that would lead UCLA to Final Fours?
2: I mean, Titus and I still, some days we look at each other across the table and we just smile because we can't believe that Mick Cronin is the head coach of UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that... You know, the shock factor of Mick Cronin even going to a Final Four with UCLA still hasn't quite resonated or sunk in. Um, my one concern with UCLA is that last year, I mean, obviously Chris Smith gets hurt early on in the season, and he was supposed to be their guy, obviously playing with the Pistons now. But they started off very slow, Andy, as, as you know, and, and it took a while for them to really get going. And that kind of tends to be the philosophy or, or the, the makeup of Mick Cronin teams. We get tougher as the season goes on and we're more blue-collar, and I am a little bit concerned that, like Titus said, if they are on this separate tier, they have the expectations, they're supposed to blow everybody out, they're supposed to be this amazing team, that that can catch up with them in some capacity, where if they do lose a couple games in the Pac-12, maybe they're hanging their heads. I just want to say to UCLA, don't worry about any. just just get to the tournament, you know what I mean? Even if you're a two-seed, three, two three-seed, you know once you get to the tournament, you can make magic happen again, but don't worry about all the BS before that. And I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the fans chiming in and saying, we should be blowing out teams. We should be blowing out Colorado. We should be doing this and that. Just calm down, UCLA. Enjoy the ride. Um, and don't get fretted about December games and January games because March is when it really matters. And I hope that they can get back to the Final Four because that would be a great story.
1: All right, so we've established that. But before we move on to another league, Washington State, Colorado, yeah. USC, obviously, we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, who of that other group would you say Oregon State? You know, they ended up winning the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, which team do you feel like, you know what, if I got to put stock in one other, uh, that could certainly emerge as that third or fourth best team?
2: Mm. Washington State is is the sleeper to me, I feel like. I mean, Colorado is probably the right answer, right? If, if, there's probably five Pac-12 teams that make it. And we, we've said them all, UCLA, Oregon, USC, Colorado, and, and Washington State is probably my fifth team that I, I throw in there. And I think Washington state is just an interesting team. I like Kyle Smith. I like what he's been able to build there a culture, so to speak, as they say in the basketball world. So that would be my team, but I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not putting my whole bank into that prediction, but
3: I, yeah, I, I, I'll agree with Tate. Why not? Who cares? Uh, but I, I, I think one thing, I guess I want to caution everyone that this is going, going back to, uh, I hope the momentum from the tournament carries over this year yeah. is I think that that next group of teams, Andy, they're all like good. And I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament and, uh, they're going to win games in the NCAA tournament. But what's going to happen is that Colorado is going to lose at Washington State or lose at home to Washington State. And America is going to see that score and say, Colorado sucks. Yes, How did they lose at home to Washington? And that doesn't happen in any other league except the Pac-12. Every other league, like if, if Ohio State loses at home to Purdue, it's like, damn, look how good Purdue must be to go on the road in a tough environment. <laughs> when you know, The Pac-12 does not get that respect. I want the pack told to have their respect because I think all those teams in the second tier, the third tier, whatever, are going to be good. They're just going to beat up on each other. So they're they're going to be games where they're not ranked, where Arizona State's, well, that's a bad example. Not a, throw Arizona State up. <laughs> uh, Colorado's not ranked and, and Oregon State's not ranked. But that, like uh, us three smart guys, we know that those are going to be good basketball teams and we're going to be paying attention. And I just hope the rest of America does as well.
1: Yeah. All right. So let me move on to the Big 12. I love the top three in the Big 12. Yes. I'm actually going Texas 1 with all the transfers they've got in Chris Beard. uh, And I will tell people the Fireside Chat has come back in a new form. In his latest edition, he actually interviews Bevo. Would you call Bevo a steer? Is it a steer?
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) I I think that checks out, yeah. Yeah, this is Chris Beard interviewing cattle. uh, And for a good seven minutes. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway, direct you to the Texas Twitter for that uh, amazing follow. So I love Texas. With uh, Marcus Carr, uh, I think Andrew Jones is going to have a breakout year. I mean, Trey Mitchell from UMass, I mean, he's sort mm-hmm. of under the radar, but he could be a bust-out star. Yep. Kansas, no great players, but a lot of just
3: solid, good college players. Remy Martin's not great. First-team preseason All-American a year ago? Solid college player. Okay. There's All always right. a reason.
1: <laughs> and I, look, I've interviewed Remy a thousand times. I think he's great. But there's a reason sometimes when a guy's a fifth-year that he's back in college basketball.
2: Yeah. Because okay. if you
1: were good enough, you could be in the NBA. But I think it's great, you know, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with being a great college basketball player. Uh, and he's really good. And maybe he'll become the NBA. We don't know. And then Baylor, you know, with a Kinjo and the mullet man. I love uh, that the
2: mullet man sounds like the muffin man, as you yes. said it. <laughs> uh,
1: so to me, that's the three. And then yeah. after that, you know, again, we'll see Texas Tech. They got O'Banner now. Oklahoma with, uh, from Eastern Washington. Tanner Groves. Groves, yeah, yeah, yeah. excuse me. Thank you. And then, you know, I think Oklahoma State and Boynton, they'll be in the mix. Uh, so, you know, there's that other tier. It's mm-hmm. our favorite word. So that's where I look at the Big 12.
2: Yeah, I'll jump in here. I, Andy, first off, you know, Titus and I, after the Asheville slash Maui Invitational last year, we famously, we, win all, we, we stuck our necks out there and we said Texas basketball is here. Texas basketball mm-hmm. is a real program to watch out for. Shaka Smart finally has the front court talent that he needs to make a deep run. We were a little bit off there, but uh, I, I do like Texas this year. I am just, uh, I, I have my reservations, right? I'm, I'm going to let Chris Beard have one year as a trial run. I love Kansas. I, I think if you if you came up to me today and you said, who was going to win the national championship, I would say Kansas. I, I'm all in on the Jayhawks. I love McCormack, their center. I think he's going to be potentially the Big 12 player of the year. Um, Akbaji is one of my favorite players in college basketball, as you said. There's a lot of guys that are just solid across the board. And then I think, you know, you throw into Remy Martin, that's a, that's a solid, really top-level guard as you get into the tournament. Um, I trust Bill Self to, to be able to get this team together to make a real run in the tournament. They have depth. Um, they have length. They have the recipe for success. They can play inside out. So to me, Kansas is my number one team in the big 12. And that's really no shocker. Um, Baylor, Texas, Kansas. That's really the top three. I think we can all argue who the number one is there, but that seems succinct. West Virginia is always an interesting Oh
1: God. A, Hugs is going to crush me. I blanked on West yeah. Virginia.
2: I mean, that, that's another team that we always have to throw in there because of huggy bear. So I mean, that that's, I always
1: forget they're in the big 12.
2: Ex- well, they won't be for long, right? I mean, we're, <laughs> we're moving to a new world, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but they're a team to watch out for. Texas Tech is interesting. As you said, O'Banner goes there. I, I wish that Mac McClung had gone back, but obviously he's greener pastures playing for the Lakers, so he's going to be okay. Um, but this is Kansas's world, in my opinion.
3: I agree with Tate. I think I, I agree with you, Andy, in that there's three teams at the top Baylor, Texas, Kansas. Uh, for me, Kansas has the least unknowns. I mean, I guess UCLA has the, the they're bringing everyone back. Purdue's bringing everyone back, but. By and large in this era of college basketball, it's, it's like every team has a little bit of unknown. I understand that, but but Kansas, I I, I look at their roster. I, I look at Bill Self on the sideline, that big belly popping out of his 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 blazer. He's got there. They're back. I, I think what what happened last year is the Blue Bloods were down. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. And Kansas somehow you want, we're talking about home environments and all that. Like Allen Fieldhouse was not Allen Fieldhouse last year. And I think uh, people misremember the Kansas season last year. Like I think. The stench of Kentucky and and Duke was not good, and Carolina wasn't as good. That Kansas kind of wore that a little bit. Kansas wasn't a bad basketball team; they were a good. They were good enough. They just weren't Kansas. They weren't the Kansas we know and love. And maybe that's because they didn't have Allen Fieldhouse to, to, to help them with mobile. I don't know. But uh, I look at the roster. I, I trust what they're bringing back. Texas very well could be the best team by the end of the year. Um, there's just so many unknowns, uh, including Chris Beard. He's a great coach, but uh, you know the players have like the guys that are back have a new coach now and, and like that, that adjustment, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how that works out. But Baylor, my question to you, Andy, is this, is Baylor the national champion? Uh, Can you think of a national champion that has gotten like less hype, less talked about less, whatever, the moment the clock hit zero on that game when Baylor wins a national championship, all the talk was like, when's Mark few going to get his next one. He signs Chad Holmgren, like "Gonzaga Gonzaga this Gonzaga, this is Gonzaga the number one team next year. What about UCLA? Like it, it, it. What happened? Like Baylor won the title. Baylor is one of the last year was one of the best teams we've ever seen in college basketball when they were fully healthy and COVID wasn't breaking up their season and all that. Um, and and they bring a lot of great pieces back. If Matthew Meyer, I think he could be a top ten pick. Like when he's on, when he's playing well. Um, and if he plays at that level all season, Baylor is very much a team that is good enough to go back to back. I believe that. I don't think they should be favored. I don't think it should be expected. But. They have the talent, I think, to win a national championship this year. And I feel like I'm the only person that believes that, and that's crazy.
1: I would say it's a Baylor thing, a Waco thing. No offense to Waco and Baylor, but you know, when their women's team won, I just think that because they are so overshadowed in the state, they are so second fiddle to other state institutions. I know they're private, but in the state of Texas um, and in the league, uh, that they just don't resonate nationally. And that's unfortunate, but if you had taken, obviously UCLA and Gonzaga, if either one of them had won, I think they'd still be riding that Mm -hmm. and Baylor just, and also as great a guy as Scott is, he's not a national name. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I agree with you. Uh, all right. I rattled off that other group. Just give me one team from that other group that you think, uh, maybe it's West Virginia. Uh, is it Porter Mosier at Oklahoma? What's one other team?
0: Mm.
2: I'm gonna say Oklahoma State. I, I think Oklahoma State. Uh, even though they don't have K, they don't have the hype that they had last year. I think they're better than we suspect they will be. Maybe they get you know an upset in the Allen Fieldhouse or something like that. The Bill Self does the Bill Self special and gives his alma mater a nice win. Uh, you know, there in Lawrence, Kansas, to get the OK State fans excited. But I always like Oklahoma State when I think of Oklahoma State. I I think of you know Eddie Sutton. I think of a basketball school and. Uh, I like Mike Boynton a lot. Uh, you know, he came on our program. He was great with us. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if OK State is just a better team than we maybe, you know, predict or suspect. I, I think they'll make the tournament again, um, you know, at least at least. So um, that would be my team.
3: I'm going either West Virginia or Texas Tech. I would probably West Virginia is probably going to be better. But Texas Tech is I, I'm talking myself into Texas Tech because of a banner and because of just uh, the way Chris Beard left. Yeah, they have good karma on their side. I yeah. love the idea of karma being on their side and and playing with the chip on their. Shoulder yeah, and he just constantly mentioned Mark Adams in all his little chats.
1: Yeah, so he kind of hyped him up. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm excited to see the next era of Texas Tech basketball because I don't I don't think Texas Tech is going away anytime soon. I don't I don't know if they'll ever get back to a national championship game, but I don't think I don't think Texas Tech is going away anytime soon.
1: All right, we got to keep this moving here. Uh, Big Ten. Here's my quick. You know, I've gone Purdue as the favorite. Yep, nice. Because I love Travion Williams, Zach Eady, and Jaden Ivey, but I could easily see Michigan winning it. I could see Illinois now winning it with the combo of Kofi and Andre Corbello. Ohio State certainly could be in the mix. I'm a little mm-hmm. skeptical on the guards, but I think their front court's going to be great. So that's my top grouping. Uh, my sleeper is Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like the Hoosiers with Trace Jackson Davis, and obviously um, they're supporting cast. I don't know about Michigan State. I, I think they'll be decent. Don't know how good. And then there's other tournament teams. I think Rutgers will make the tournament. Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and maybe even Penn State. All are going to take turns going up and down in that part of the league. So that's how I see it, Mr. Big Ten Club Trillion. What do you got?
3: I, I'm in agreement with you, Andy, and that Purdue is the team to be in this conference. Uh, Michigan, Michigan feels like the Texas to me. In Kansas, like if we're doing going the analogies, like like. Michigan may end up being the better team. I think Hunter Dickinson and and Caleb Houston and uh, you know the, the the pieces Michigan has. I understand there's reason to be excited. I think Michigan is is every bit as good as as an, every other national title contender. But I, I have bought every ounce of Jaden Ivey stock I can find on this. I'm, I'm walking up and down the streets of LA, just asking everyone, oh, you got a Jaden Ivy stock yourself? I'll take it. I'll take it. I think Jaden Ivey might be the best player in college basketball this year. Every day I wake up and I believe in him a little bit more. And I, it, it's almost scary. It's a runaway train at this point, Andy. And it really it dawned on me yesterday. It just like hit me like a ton of bricks that all the best players in this conference are big men, except for him, basically. It's all, it's all Trace Jackson Davis, Kofi Coburn, Hunter Dickinson, EJ Liddell. Um, on down the line, like everyone who, every, like the top five players in America's mind, Trayvon Williams, his teammate, are all big men, and Jaden Ivey is like I, in my mind, they're all going to negate each other, and all their production, they're going to just like kind of. By the way, sidebar,
1: what? That's why an all-conference team should be the five best players, regardless of position, because mm-hmm. you're not taking that team on the floor. Yep. So if it's
3: if it's Jaden Ivey and four bigs, so be it. I wouldn't be surprised if the preseason Big Ten team is five bigs. It's, it's, it's <laughs> Travion Williams, Hunter Dickinson, Kofi Coburn, E.J. Liddell, Trace Jackson Davis. Like, yeah. that might be the five, the preseason. Well, that's all. the
1: way we think, not a lot of the school. Oh, we got to find a point. That's center. true.
3: That's true. That's true. Uh, anyway, my point is, uh, if Matt Painter gives, I, I'm worried about uh, a Hunter at point guard for Purdue. So I want I want Matt Painter to just give the ball to Jay Ivey and let him cook. And if he does, I think Jay Nivey is going to be a first-team All-American. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be a top-five pick. And for that reason, I'm, I'm, I am I'm believe in Purdue because Purdue brought everyone back. Purdue was a very good basketball team last year. It did not go well for them in the NCAA tournament, as we remember. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I I believe in Purdue and I think Purdue is the best team. And, and Jay Nivey's made the leap. I mean, Jay Nivey, for, for the talk of Purdue losing to North Texas last year in the, the tournament, Jay Nivey had 26 points in that game. Like, this man... Here's a spin zone for you, Andy. Purdue losing was actually good for Purdue because if Purdue keeps winning in the NCAA tournament, Jay Ivey is not back on campus this year. That man was, was gone. He was gone. So them, them losing is actually a good thing. They're bringing him back. They're going to be really good. That's uh, my pick for your Big Ten champion.
2: I love that. I, uh, I'm not going to take Purdue even though I really like Purdue, but I feel like if I pick them, then it's just going to curse Purdue. So I'm going to go with Illinois this is the team that I believed in to win the championship last year. I, I thought Io, I thought Kofi, I thought Corbello, I, I thought my guy Trent Frazier, my family member, I thought we were going to be able to do it last year. Uh, we lose, you know, Io, of course, goes to the Bulls, but I love Corbello. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think Kofi Coburn is the sleeper. If not, I don't know if he, he should be the favorite in my opinion, but he doesn't seem like he's the favorite. So I'll say he's the sleeper to win Big Ten Player of the Year. I, I love what he and Corbello could do. Uh, you know, those two guys running pick and roll. How do you stop that? And I think Trent Frazier, a super senior has a really big year. They have the guards. They have the big, Um, I like Underwood. I like that they have a chip on their shoulder as Titus just said about Purdue with what happened in the tournament last year. So Illinois is my pick, but I I think there's a top four in the big 10 and Ohio state is in that top four for me. Mm. I I think that they have Mm. a chance to to really get things going. Um, Indiana, Andy, I agree with you. A sleeper team, Trace Jackson Davis is is the, I think he is the favorite to win big 10 player of the year, right? So He's a guy that we have to, you know, keep an eye on. And, and Mike Woodson, you know, I'll say this because Titus, you know, he, he's gone out and, and you know, let people know how he feels about Indiana. But it's not just because he likes Indiana. I believe in Mike Woodson. I think Mike Woodson is a great recruiter. I think he's a really, really good basketball coach. And I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana shocks the world this year in the Big Ten and has a really good run and, and makes a run in the tournament to the Sweet 16.
1: All right, give me that one other team. I rattled off a bunch in that, in that other group.
2: It's Maryland for
1: me. Oh, my God. Again. I'm like forgetting that part of the country. Maryland's a lock to me in the tournament. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Maryland's a lock. Maryland's a lock. They'll be in.
1: I don't know what my mid Atlantic, like I've left West Virginia and Maryland out of my brain.
3: It's It's, a Michigan state for me. I think, I think, I think addition by subtraction with rocket Watts and foster lawyer gone and max Christie's in. And I think, uh, I think Michigan State's going to be much better than they were last year, and whether that's enough to win the Big Ten. I don't know. The Big Ten's going to be a bloodbath. Andy, we have to win the national championship, don't we, as a conference? At some it's point. It's do or die. I say it every year, but this year I mean it. This year I, I mean it.
1: All right, as you see, we're going across the country. couple more here. SEC. Mm. I've got Alabama and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Then, I'm sure I'm going to forget someone here again, but Arkansas, in some order, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, kind of like arkansas above that group yeah uh mississippi state now with rocket watts and garrison brooks Did we say auburn yet uh and
3: auburn yeah mm. go ahead tate
2: yeah I'll, I'll I'll jump in here i do think this is the year that alabama and nato Oats kind of lets the world know or lets the sec know and maybe the national uh public at large know that they're going to be a real contender in the sec that they, they're a program to be reckoned with so i am buying all the nato stock i really believe this is going to be the year that alabama takes that next step Will Wade and LSU—they're fascinating to me. I I don't understand how it really works. They have the talent, you know. I know that Will Wade's going to roll the balls out and going to see what happens. So that'll be fascinating to watch. Um, I like Alabama as a team to win it. Kentucky's obviously going to be there. I think it's Alabama, Kentucky are my one A, one B if you want to do it like that. Um, But LSU, Auburn, um, and Arkansas are kind of that next tier right behind them. And and Arkansas obviously with the must bus is very interesting. But I'm going to ride Nate Oates. That's going to be my preseason coach of the year, Nate Oates.
3: The, the SEC might be the most fun conference to watch this year. I have no idea. I'm I'm, I'm sitting there hearing you list all these teams, Andy. And like I, I could talk myself into to all. Like, Auburn could win this conference easily. Kentucky, yeah. I think Kentucky's going to be the favorite. I think uh, it's not even just because their they're jerseys say Kentucky. I think uh, th- this Kentucky team, there's a little more known about them. Like the transfers they have bringing in like are, are known entities that, that we've seen. Like, Kellen Grady, Oscar Shubway. Um, C.J. Frederick. C.J. Frederick. Uh, Mintz is Savvy back. Savvy
1: Wheeler from the,
3: uh, Tom Crean. Yep, yep. Yep. Mince is, Mince is back. Correct. Like he was a leading scorer score last year. Yep. Yeah. And they got him back. Um, so I, I think Kentucky, if I'm, if I'm handicapping it, I'd say Kentucky's probably my favorite, but oh my God, it's This conference is so deep. It's going to be so fun. Like it feels the SEC. When everything year, comes
1: back, six degrees of Ben Howland. I mean, we started the conversation yep. with them at UCLA <laughs> and now with Mississippi state. So he certainly could get there.
2: I will say this as someone that watched Garrison Brooks played four years in Chapel Hill, I, there's no way that you can convince me to bet on Garrison Brooks and Mississippi State to win the SEC. So, uh,
1: all right, we're going to continue working away way across the country and dive into the ACC. I think it's familiar faces. Mm. It's pretty set with me. It's in some order Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Florida State, and Syracuse. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if Syracuse jumped up and competed for the title. To me, that's the five inside. You want
3: to put them in any order? I don't care. I, I want to jump in first. I know Tate's the ACC guy, but I, I just want to set the stage by saying this, that I don't remember ever being less or, or caring less about the ACC going into a college basketball season than I do this year. Um, I have lost all uh, all my fire for ACC basketball. It is like all those all those teams you just said that maybe the one that might excite me is Duke only because it's Coach K's last year. If I'm being completely honest, if you told me this was John Shire's like, third year on the job at Duke and this was the roster he had i'm not sure i'd care about duke that much carolina like that's not moving the needle for me virginia i don't think is is going to be this team is not going to be memorable in any way shape or form for people that have been watching virginia basketball for the last 10 years um at that point is why syracuse has a chance syracuse might yeah they do have a chance so my my i i'm very discouraged about the acc this year what happened to the acc this was this used to be the best basketball conference bar none in the country Take make the case Please, save save your conference.
2: No, we're still the best, but we have the face of the ACC is Virginia, who is boring. And you you said, I'm not sure why I'm interested in this conference because the face of the league is Virginia. Virginia owns the ACC. This is their world. We're all living in it. This is a, a slow burn. You know how you get just squeezed out and uh, and you just have to sit there and suffocate? That is what Virginia is doing to the rest of these great programs as we watch them sit atop of the league. So if you had to you know ask me who was going to win the ACC, I just de facto say Virginia. I don't understand it. I don't necessarily believe it, but I know it's going to happen. And uh, so Virginia is going to go ahead and just be de facto number one. And then from there, I think it gets interesting because, as Titus pointed out, I mean, North Carolina, I mean, you, you, you they're, they're familiar faces, right? But you also have a Dawson Garcia that comes in. You have a Brady Manic that comes in. You have this team that they're going to be a very different team. Caleb you know.
1: Love, Armando Bacon. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, those are the guys that are coming back. And now you're trying to, you know, make this team gel together. You don't have Roy Williams anymore. You have Hubert Davis, his first time on the job. He has said that he is going to run a, his own version of this offense, his own. Ver- he's going to manage this team in his own way, even though I, I think he has very similar, you know, makeup to Roy Williams. So we'll see what that looks like. Duke, you know, as Titus just said, this is coach K's last year. This is his last ride. I know that he said, don't say the L word. So I've already broken the rule twice. I've already cursed twice in coach K's land, but, um, I think Duke is fascinating just for that reason. We're going to see John Shire apparently is handling all the 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 game planning that goes into the scouting. It's not going to be Coach K this year. He's going to be very hands-off. We'll see how long that lasts. But to me, it's Virginia number one, and then the number two team is Florida State. I think Florida State um, is is under the radar. I think they have a lot of talent um, that, that's going to be on this basketball team this year. As we know, they are the airport test team. When you see Florida State, you all <laughs> we all say, oh my God, how are they not a number one seed? Um, and, and Andy, as you pointed out, I mean, buddy Bayheim, if there was any team to spoil coach K's last year, um, and, and convince him to come back for one more ride, one more year, Bayhimes. I think it's buddy Bayheim and Syracuse winning the ACC um, in front of coach K. I think that that gets coach K's juices flowing. He says, I got to come back and knock off Jimmy B. Um, so if you care about, you know, the drama of the ACC, you probably want Syracuse to be up in that conversation. So. I think only five or six teams make the tournament though. As Titus said, I don't think they're as deep as they have been in the past. And, uh, that's another reason why Maryland should just come back to the ACC in my opinion.
1: Well, but also that's why I can't, you know, I, we've been doing this where I give you one other team. I, I mean, I can't get excited about NC state Clemson. Yeah. I know I'm not winning a lot of fans here. The one school that I have, I wouldn't say dissed, but I just, I'm not on board. I'm sorry. Is Louisville. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm not buying. I didn't think about it. So you guys brought it up, but, uh, Jim Beheim spoiling Coach K's last run uh, makes yeah. a lot of sense, and especially doing it. Yeah. He's got his three sons there, right? With with uh, uh, two sons, Buddy's there, Jimmy's there, and Jerry McNamara. Oh, there you go. There's three. Uh, so I think I think making it a. I'll, I'll give you another name that could spoil it. Just to be a spoiler, Notre Dame.
2: Oh friend. yes. Oh yeah. I like Notre Dame. That's a good one. And they're going to be in the Maui Invitational. So Titus I don't will think see.
3: My, my my problem with Mike Bray and Notre Dame this year, like I don't think he's trying to win the ACC. I think he's trying to win America's heart back. You know, and I think those are two <laughs> different things. I think yeah, <laughs> it's kind of are- like Meg Ryan. Like she's not going for number one at <laughs> the box office. She's going to get America's heart. Yes. Well,
1: as you know, he was the trailblazer with the Mock Turtle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you know he went with the scruff. Uh, we'll see what it looks like now. It was the shorts on the sideline at Carolina last year. That's right. As long as they weren't shorts. All right. Last league, um, little debate here. I'm going Big East. Mm. All right, and giving because of Villanova. Villanova is the standard, the staple. Uh, and then after that, you could go UConn. You could go Xavier should be better. Uh, are you giving me St. John's? St. John's with Posh Alexander and Julian Champagne, Seton Hall. I think Providence will be decent. Butler, um, you know, so to me, there's better depth than the American. As good as American can be in the top three with Memphis, Houston, and and Wichita, yep. I would go Big East because you have at least one team that could win the
3: title in Villanova. Wow, shots fired at Memphis. Andy doesn't believe that Memphis can win the title.
1: No, actually I don't <laughs>
3: Fair enough. <laughs> straight to the point. That would
2: be my argument, Andy. Cause like, you know, we we're trying to find the, the other power conference, right. And Villanova already has that with the big East and the big East has the cachet, but Memphis with Larry Brown, um, with obviously Amani Bates and Jalen Duran the Duren that comes in. I mean, those two guys are, are stars and I've already seen the media. They've already bought into the idea of Memphis being a national title contender. I think they got 30 minutes of practice today, Andy. And I saw all the people come out of practice saying they look like a national championship team. So that got me wondering, you know, is Villanova versus Memphis the real battle to see who the Mm. next power conference is? And uh, I actually am leaning Memphis here. Maybe I'm buying into the hype, but I love Larry Brown. I, I believe in Larry Brown.
1: Penny Hardaway is that coach, but go ahead.
3: No, hilarious. I I think uh, all the talk about Coach K's last run, we should we should talk about the Americans last run. This is a conference that uh and it pains me to say this is a Big 10 guy. W- has won a national championship more recently than the Big 10. In fact, mm. 14 years more recently than the Big 10. Um and this is kind of the last run for the American, right? Like they're going to salvage something and they're going to be fine, but it's not it's it's, it's kind of it. Uh, are, you, so are you buying my Big East? No, I'm not. I think the American's better. The American's more interesting to me. Memphis is going to be appointment television, one way or another. No, I'm not debating that, but go um, ahead. Houston is not going to be as good as they were last year, but they were a Final Four team last year, won a lot of ball games. I did not like Houston's team last year. Uh, I was very vocal about it, but, you know, credit where due. They, they're hanging a Final Four banner. They get that going. And Wichita State has, correct me if I'm wrong, Etienne's coming back. Yes, he is. Co-player of the year. Wichita State won the conference last year. Brings back a co-conference Player of the Year. I don't know. There's like more interest, more storylines. Uh, we we've reached a point officially with the Big East, and I think we reached this point years ago where uh, Villanova is so dominant and so good. Like it's great. We we understand it. We tip our cap to you, Jay Wright. We 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 love the pieces you're bringing back. But all of famer, Jay Wright. By but the way. I can't like take right, We can't get excited about the Big East when when the Big East has settled into the position that Kansas had the Big Twelve in. Whereas, like, I mean, like uh, everyone's playing for second. We're just playing a bunch of games just to hand Villanova a trophy. Like at some point, a contender has to merge. And this year, I mean, my God, like I don't, I don't look at anybody else in the Big East and say that team could could give Villanova a run. No question. For that that reason, like I'm not excited about the Big East as a whole. And I want to be Andy. I want to be so bad because I work at Fox and we have Big East rights, and I'm a company man. All
1: right, we've established Gonzaga, obviously in some form or fashion, will be in that top ten with Nemhard and Russell Bolton, and Drew Timmy, obviously, and Chet Holmgren. Um, so they're going to be there. Uh, of the others, San Diego State, I love out of the Mountain West with Matt Bradley, West Coast guy from Cal down to San Diego State. Uh, Belmont, which will soon we'll be playing in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got basically their whole team back. Uh, the Bonnies out of the A-10, they got their whole team back. And VCU, I actually, you know, I'm going to put a little bit of a fan cap on here. Um, I actually hope the... The VCU gets in the tournament and gets to play the game, yeah. you know, because of what happened last year. That would be just a great story if they can just get in and play the game because they were the one team that didn't get a chance to do that. One of two teams of, with Ohio State.
3: <laughs> Ohio State was the other Yeah, team.
1: that's of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, do you know remember. who they lost to?
2: No, they backed out. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Sidebar, people don't understand how important Kyle Young was to that team. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you, Andy.
1: He was the best player on the floor against Purdue. When he had the concussion, mm-hmm. they were not the same team.
3: Justice Suing was nursing an injury as well in that game. Yes, yes. thank you, Andy. So I'm going to go
1: on with those excuses as well.
3: Set the record straight for America. Thank you. I appreciate yes. that. Andy,
1: Andy,
2: you mentioned VCU. I just wanted to throw out Richmond as another team that I really yes. like.
1: Yes, they're finally healthy as well. Yep. So the top of the A-10 will be very strong mm-hmm. uh, in, in the mix uh, as well. All right, so where can everyone find Titus and Tate and my appearances on that show? Yes, Titus and Tate. Uh, it is
2: a podcast. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever, if you type in Titus and Tate, we will show up. You can hit follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do. And then if you go to our YouTube, you type in youtube.com slash Titus and Tate. You can find myself, Mark Titus at the Fox lot twice a week. Mm-hmm. And Andy's going to join us once. Yep. Out of the, right, Andy? That's in your contract. You have to do yeah, it every us week, every week. week. <laughs> You're not going to get rid of <laughs> Let's
1: me. Go. And uh, Tate, though, other projects basketball related. What do you got?
2: yeah i got the I got a documentary coming out the World of Five Star that'll be coming out in November, so that'll be a podcast as well if you type in the world of Five star you will find that podcast and I'm narrating it and writing it and producing it and uh slowly dying but uh getting it done andy
3: and the other thing basketball related I'm working on Andy is I tore my meniscus uh this summer and so I'm working Dunking, on uh right? yeah I'm working on getting my knee back to full health so I can continue to dunk well into my late thirties so uh <laughs> keep an eye on that America at club trillion on your twitter feed uh I will be periodically posting videos of me dunking Titus tell them about where you're gonna be this weekend tell them oh about the yeah Olympics. I'm in Baton Rouge I'm an LSU baby I'm going to my first LSU night football game well this will air right after that so that's okay all right so if you're listening to this I just went to my first LSU football game and I'm, I'm sure it was awesome and I'm excited to, to check that out so uh, yeah. anyway
1: future Titus <laughs> future Titus loved it I love it uh, all right thanks guys appreciate it see you Andy thanks Andy. you're the best Andy Katz that
2: guy will rank his wife's dinners he'll rank anything
1: all right, time for Cat's Ranks here on the March Madness 365 podcast. My final four dark horses. I went with eight, Elite Eight, if you will. Let's start at number eight, St. Bonaventure. The Bonnies returned their top five scores. So essentially the core of their team that won the A 10 last season, led by Kyle Lofton. This is a team that certainly can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, maybe get to New Orleans. So That's at number eight, the Bonnies. At number seven, and these teams, I know will be listed as dark horses, and my definition would be a team that we would consider to be outside of the top 10 to 15. Number seven, Florida. Colin Castleman is back, Uh, Tyree Appleby, Myron Jones transferred from Penn State. Uh, We obviously don't know about Keontae Johnson, but I like this Gator team that can make a deep run. At number six, LSU. Will Wade's got a squad again. Adam Miller, the transfer from Illinois. Xavier Pinson, the transfer from Mizzou. Efton Reed, a big man that was a big-time recruit for the Tigers. So LSU checks in at number six. At number five, Maryland, a team that could definitely hover on that four-line, so maybe they won't be a dark horse, but we got to wait and see what happens with the Terps. Fats Russell, transfer from Rhode Island. Cutis Wahab, transfer from Georgetown. Eric Ayella is back. Dante Scott is back. I love this team that Mark Turgeon has put together in College Park. At number four, Arkansas. Chris Likes, the transfer from Miami, he's a big time scorer and he's going to fit in with JT Note, Devo Davis and Devontae Davis. I mean, there is talent in that backcourt for Arkansas and Chris Likes just going to have to fit in. I think he will do fine and score and be, you know, the perfect lead guard complement to those veterans coming back with Arkansas. At number three, UConn. I really like the squad. You've got RJ Cole, Dama uh Tyrese Martin. There's no question that this is a team under Dan Hurley that will defend, that will play really hard and will be a major factor in the Big East and could go on a deep run in March. At number two, and this may sound strange as a dark horse, but Indiana. They're not going to be picked to win the Big Ten, maybe even finish in the top three, but just outside. But I love this squad. Trace Jackson Davis playing now for Mike Woodson. Miller Cobb from Northwestern. Uh, Rob Finnessy is back. Grace Thompson. Uh, Xavier Johnson. There's talent in Bloomington. And I think Mike Woodson can get this group together. Dane Fife is on the staff. So I, I think Indiana can make a deep run. But my number one Final Four Dark Horse... A team that I think actually could maybe win the ACC. Syracuse, Buddy Bayheim, brother Jimmy Beheim, playing for the dad, Jim Bayheim Joseph Gerard. I mean, they've got scores and they add Villanova transfer, Cole Swider. So scoring is not going to be an issue. Making shots not going to be an issue. As long as this team can rebound and protect the rim, then Syracuse has a great shot to go on a deep, deep run in the NCAA tournament. So, Those are my final four dark horses. Got eight of them for this season. And joining me now here are March Madness, March Madness 365, Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman. And Eric, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here because you guys had such a great run last season, but the team's been tweaked a little bit through, you know, obviously the NBA draft. uh, But I think if I were to come up with a list of deep run sleepers, final War four sleepers, whatever you want to say here in the preseason, Arkansas has to be on that list because in the preseason, I don't think you'll start out, you know, in the top five, top 10, but you'll get there. That's my potential for you. Why am I going to be right with Arkansas?
4: Well, I hope you're right for sure on Arkansas, Andy. It's And, and you're right. It's good to be mentioned uh, in a list like that. But we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of new faces. We do have a, you know, a core of of Devo Davis and Jalen Williams and J.D. Notte and and Connor Van Over and K.K. Robinson, who was out injured last year, and Kamani Johnson, who sat out. So we have a good core. And then we also, Andy, have a group of proven college basketball players, but our rotations and our combinations are not proven. But then when you, when you think about a DC Tony and Chris Likes and Stanley Amute, all those guys are guys that are proven players, but now we got to try to piece them all together.
1: So when you look for a transfer, because you had great success of this at Nevada, and I know there was a little of this obviously in your previous life, but uh, now that we're into this and this is the new normalcy, uh, what do you need to find in that individual to make sure he fits uh, under your system?
4: I think you got to have a lot of real conversations about, especially with the grad transfer, that's slightly different than just a regular transfer because that particular player might only be with you for eight months. And so you've got to make sure that his goals align with your goals. So obviously, as a coach, you're always thinking team, team, win, win. Um, and then, you know, players that are in their last year, just like an NBA player in his last year of free agency, you know, he's thinking, how does he better himself for his future career. So I think you got to have a lot of conversations. And sometimes those conversations lead a particular staff to say, hey, that might not be the right fit for us. Um, So you want to try to get team guys along with really talented guys. And then those transfers have to fill in holes for you as well.
1: All right. So last year, March Madness, two individuals that I can remember actually jumped up on top of scores table, you and Jalen Suggs. Uh, Suggs was a little bit more raw reaction after the buzzer beater to knock off UCLA in the final four, what drove you to getting up on top of that scores table?
4: Well, Andy, I'm only five foot seven. And so if I'm on the floor kind of doing the hog call with our fan, they might not see me. So I figured if I jumped up on the scores table and gave myself another four or five inches or feet, I should say, maybe they could all see me. It was kind of a raw reaction, too. I mean, I didn't have it planned or anything. And, you know, when you play Texas Tech, at least last year with Coach Beard, I mean, it's a war. And so it was an emotional grind for 40 minutes. Um, And so I just let my emotions take over. And, you know, it was really cool because when you played in that particular venue, which that game was at Hinkle, it felt like a real game. To me, it was the only game last year where we really felt the fans and particularly in the NCAA tournament, that was the one venue where you felt like, Hey, this is, this is real. And so I think that, you know, emotionally, not only me, but our entire team got pretty fired up after that win.
1: So I just want to go back to the team for a second. You mentioned, you know, that core group, let, you know, Devo Davis and Note. I mean, those guys were key certainly, you know, in, in where you guys got last season, but then you bring in Chris likes who is expected to be a bit of a stat stuffer and wasn't Miami. And now he comes into Arkansas. How do you massage that where you need him to be who he was, but at the same time, he needs to fit in with this group?
4: Yeah, that's a great question because we have three scoring point guards in Devo Davis, J.D. Note and Chris Likes, And so, you know, we've talked about, you know, having a Wii game, you know, where, we're, where everybody's involved. We use, you know, we have little point guard meetings where we talk about setting the table and being a secondary scorer and not an initial offensive scorer. So, but that's a, a definitely a developing piece as you look at our team. And it's also going to be a question mark is how do we share the ball? How do we get all five players involved? Because uh, we do have three point guards that are really, really aggressive and offensive-minded players.
1: All right. In this new normal, um, how are you embracing or empowering your players with NIL?
4: Yeah, I think the name, image, and likeness, at least here at Arkansas, is, is uh, you know we have a department, Terry Prentice, a former track Athlete here heads it up, and our players throughout the summer, once a week, uh, had a little classroom session with Terry. They were really, really well educated. I think, from a coaching staff standpoint, we're kind of out of this thing. And uh, what we've seen is the guys that are really go getters and put their business hats on, this can be really beneficial. And I think that Devontae Debo Davis has done a great job marketing himself, and so has Jane Williams. And then we've had other players you know, that maybe have not put a high premium on this. So I really think it's up to the individual player uh, how much engaged they are, both on social media and then, you know, how business savvy does somebody really want to be? Because certainly at a place like Arkansas, if you do it right, it probably can be beneficial, not just for a basketball player, but for a football player, women's basketball player, women's soccer, gymnast. I think there's a lot of potential uh, for student athletes all across the country.
1: All right, last two things. First, the hunger you've seen with this group and really your staff, like I said, we're not in the complete new normal, but we're getting closer and you actually had a summer, which together and everyone had to sort of be by themselves a year and a half ago. How much has that changed, you know, everyone's sort of mentality for this season after so much was taken away a year, year and a half ago?
4: Well, I think the biggest thing, Andy, is if I just had to say one word, it's happy. I think, or joy. There's way more joy. You know, players can come over to our house and and, uh, we can eat as a team. We can do uh, different things outside of basketball that, you know, we really were prohibited from doing a year ago. Although I do think that our administration, our medical people at Arkansas, our trainers, I think that the success last year making an Elite Eight had obviously the most to do with our players, but I do think that we were pretty normal or as normal as we could be, and we didn't let things affect us when a player was out or even I was out for a game just due to contact tracing. The rest of the team just kept going, and we talked about that over and over. The teams were going to use it as an excuse, and many years after this pandemic, people would still be using that as an excuse, and we were not going to be one of those organizations or programs that did that. But we're really, really happy to be able to do the team bonding stuff off the floor and for my family to get to know our player family. And and so all that stuff meshes so much better when you're not in the middle of a pandemic.
1: All right, last thing, Eric, in the NBA or CBA or wherever you've been, you basically get like a week to 10 days and then it's right into, you know, exhibitions and preseason and into the season. You know, in college basketball, you get 30 practices over 42 days. But in these first couple of weeks, what do you need to get accomplished as you go
4: forward? Number one, we have to get healthy, Andy. We have a lot of uh, guys out. I mean yesterday's first practice and we had a DC Tony out. We had JD Notay out at the end of practice. Notay got hurt. We had Jalen Williams who hasn't practiced in two weeks. KK Robinson has missed almost the entire you know 10 week session that we had where we were able to go eight weeks over the summer. So we have a lot of guys out. Trey Wade is out four to six weeks. So we have a lot of guys that we're going to have to manage to get them healthy. I feel really fortunate, Andy, that we have a group of guys that have been in the NBA, Clay Mosier on staff, uh, Keith Smart. Those guys are going to really help me because I want to go 100 miles an hour, and they're going to be able to help me manage so that we can get to the finish line, meaning our opening game where we have everybody healthy and fresh.
1: Eric, I appreciate it. The must bus is driving uh, all over the state and all over the country. It's getting going again. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about Arkansas throughout the course of the season. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, a big shout out to our team at Turner Sports led by Abby Stoltz and Chad Aycock and the team at Bleach Report and everyone at NCAA.com that does a great job repurposing this podcast. Appreciate all the engagement here this month. we got a lot of content coming in the ensuing weeks. certainly as we get into the season into November. Appreciate everyone listening, watching all of our content. Take care, everyone.
0: When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkouts not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.